Welcome to Mayo Clinic Pharmacy Grand Rounds, a weekly podcast for pharmacists, physicians, physician assistants, and nurse practitioners who are interested in learning more about clinical pharmacology topics. I'm your host, Garrett Schramm, Director of Pharmacy Education and Academic Affairs at Mayo Clinic. To claim pharmacology CE credit or to get a copy of presentation slides, visit ce.mayo.edu slash pharmacy podcast. The prevalence of heart failure has been steadily increasing in recent years, yet medical therapies for treating heart failure until recently have remained stagnant. The neprilysin inhibitor Secubitril, combined with the angiotensin receptor blocker Valsartan, is one of the newest therapies uniquely approved for all heart failure patients. With us to review this topic is Dr. Bobby Schrader, a pharmacist at Mayo Clinic Health System in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, to highlight Secubitril Valsartan's pharmacologic principles and the clinical trials leading to its approved indication for adult heart failure. In 2015, the FDA approved Secubitril Valsartan for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. And most recently, February of this year, 2021, the FDA expanded this approval to all patients with heart failure, including heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Today, I would like to discuss the trials that led to the FDA's decision, but before I go into my learning objectives, why do we need to discuss heart failure? Two weeks ago, uh, for those who attended Pharmacy Grand Rounds, we had an excellent um, refresher on the pathophysiology of heart failure, so I will not reintroduce that, but I will kind of revisit some important statistics. Approximately 6 million adults in the United States have heart failure. That equates to be about one in every 45 adults that have heart failure. And then projected from 2012 to 2030, there's gonna be a increased prevalence of heart failure by 46%. This may be partly due to the increasing aging population. Additionally, the cost of heart failure um, has been on the rise as well. In 2020, it was estimated that the cost of heart failure uh, was about $30 billion. This included just the specific costs for health care and not the lost cause, costs for work. In 2030, this is actually expected to increase by about 127% all the way up to over $70 billion, which that would equate to be about $250 per every single adult in the United States, regardless of heart failure status. And then lastly, we have this graph here that shows the total deaths by heart disease in the United States pulled from the CDC. As you can see in the last decade, there's been an increase in the total deaths by heart disease, which includes all heart disease, such as myocardial infarction, coronary artery disease, and valve disorders, for example. In 2018, out of all those deaths um, caused by heart disease, there was over 350,000 that were caused that had heart failure written on their death certificate. So this is definitely an important topic to be um, following. So now that we have a brief introduction on the importance of discussing heart failure, I want to go over my learning objectives today. So today I would like the audience to be able to explain the pharmacological principles of Secubitril Valsartan, recognize evidence favoring Secubitril Valsartan in heart failure patients, and then lastly describe how to initiate Secubitril Valsartan. We'll be going over a patient case towards the end of today's lecture. So first off, what is Secubitril Valsartan? And for the remainder of this lecture, I may be referring to Secubitril Valsartan by its brand name component, which is Entresto. 
Entresto is broken up into two separate entities, Sucubitril and Valsartan. Valsartan is a molecule that's been on the market for many years, so I'll briefly touch base on its mechanism of action. It is an angiotensin receptor blocker, which will block angiotensin II from binding to its receptor site, which is responsible for its vasoconstrictive properties, increasing blood pressure, sympathetic tone, aldosterone, and hypertrophy. By blocking this receptor, it actually decreases these vasoconstrictive properties. So Cubitril is a neprilysin inhibitor, and it has to deal with BNP, or type B natriuretic peptide. Natriuretic peptides, such as BNP, are responsible for the salt-water balance in the body, directly dilating veins, which decrease preload, and dilating arteries, decreasing SVR, both of which is mediated through cyclic GMP. Essentially, the natriuretic peptides act as a counter-regulatory system for the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system. The endopeptidase neprilysin is the enzyme responsible for the breakdown of many vasoactive peptides, including our BNP, as well as endothelin-1 and angiotensin itself. Neprilysin inhibitors, such as sucubitril, will raise angiotensin levels because angiotensin II is a substrate for neprilysin as well, which is why sucubitril is co-administered with valsartan. As you can see by the red X over neprilysin, sucubitril will inhibit this enzyme from breaking BNP down into its inactive fragments, which would increase BNP concentrations, further helping the vasodilation properties of BNP. Of note, when studying this molecule, Entresto, BMP levels were initially increased after starting the medication for about the first eight to 10 weeks. Um, however, NT-proBNP, which is um, broken down from proBNP into NT-proBNP and BNP, that molecule is, that concentration is not affected by sucubitrovalsartan. Here at Mayo, we switched to uh, drawing NT-proBNP levels on our heart failure patients approximately about 10 years ago or so. And then proBNP is released from myocardial cells itself. Some of the guidelines might mention the combination of sucubitrovalsartan as an ARNI, which stands for angiotensin receptor neprilysin inhibitor. So you may be, I may be referring to sucubitrovalsartan as an ARNI as well throughout this lecture. How sucubitril valsartan is supplied is also important to recognize. There are three dose forms available on the market. Uh, they can be often referred to as the low dose, the moderate or initial dose, and then the target dose. One thing to mention is the specific nomenclature, nomenclature regarding confusion and can lead to potential errors regarding Entresto. As you can see, referring to that top tablet, the 24-26 milligrams uh, that is the 24 milligrams of sucubitril and the 26 milligrams of valsartan. When added together, it conveniently equals 50 milligrams, which might be an easy way to describe this medication formulation, but I would encourage not to add up the two medications as it can lead to confusion, whether you're referring to that initial dose that I was referring to or that moderate dose, which is the 49-51, as the average of that also equals 50 milligrams. So when referring to this medication, it'd be best to either spe specify the dose for, for each drug molecule 
or referred to them as the low dose, moderate, or initial dose, and then the target dose. Next, I want to discuss the Valsartan components of Entresto, because as you can see, uh, it is an um, unusual milligram amount that we're used to seeing as opposed to uh, the Valsartan that is on the market currently as its individual, individual tablet. And what they found that was the 26 milligrams of Valsartan in, this, in that low-dose tablet roughly equals 40, the 40 milligram Valsartan tablet. Likewise, the 51 milligram component equals the 80 milligram Valsartan tablet. And then that target dose of 103 milligrams of Valsartan roughly equals the 160 milligram Valsartan tablet. Valsartan combined with Secubitril is in an hemipentahydrate form, meaning that it is surrounded by wa water molecules and is already in an ionic form. This can theoretically increase the bioavailability of Valsartan, which may explain why the 26 equals 40, the 51 equals 80, and the 103 equal 160 for the Valsartan products. It's also well documented that extemporaneous compounding of the Valsartan tablets into a liquid formulation actually increases the bioavailability of that Valsartan tablet by about 1.6 times. Now this is a very important slide for everyone to uh, pay attention to how to initiate Sucubitril Valsartan. When studied, the initial dose was that moderate dose, which was the 49-51 milligram tablet. And of mention for all of these dose formulations, this medication is dosed twice daily. So the initial dose would be 49-51 milligrams twice daily. We're going to titrate that every two to four weeks into the target dose, which was studied as 97-103 milligrams. One key thing to remember from this slide is we must separate um, the last dose of patients who are previously on an ACE inhibitor by 36 hours. And what the reason why is there was higher levels of angioedema in these patients if there was not that separation of 36 hours. For patients that have um, either severe renal impairment, which is an EGFR less than 30, have moderate hepatic impairment, which is uh, child pew class B or worse, as well as patients who are ACE or ARB naive or are only on a low dose, we can consider starting on the low dose of Secubitril Valsartan. And then the most recent guidelines also included um, age as a factor to consider to initiate on the low dose with 75 years or greater. The titration is very similar, trying to get to that target dose, titrating every two to four weeks. So this brings us to our first question today. A reminder, everyone can go to the Poll EV app or go to the website pollev.com slash mayorx, or you can also text mayorx to the number 22333. The question is, how does Sucubitril exert its pharmacological effect? Does it A, inhibit the breakdown of pro-BNP, B, increases the breakdown of BNP, C, increases the breakdown of pro-BNP, or D, inhibits the breakdown of BNP? All right, as the answers keep on rolling in, it looks like a lot of people are selecting D, which is the correct answer. It inhibits the breakdown of BNP into the inactive fragments. It is not B or C, as Secubitril is an inhibitor of the enzyme that breaks down BNP, so it won't increase the breakdown, but it will decrease breakdown. And then it is not A, as that is 
higher up in the cascade, as shown in the slide here, highlighted in red, uh, the breakdown of pro-BNP into NT-pro-BNP and BNP is just a little higher in the uh, mechanism of action cascade. So now that we have a background on the pharmacology and the mechanism of action of Entresto, let's go over some of the important studies that led to the 2015 FDA approval as well as the 2021 recent FDA approval. In addition, we'll also be going over some auxiliary studies such as the transition, Pioneer HF, Prove HF, and Evaluate HF for some clinical pearls. So the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial was a trial studying patients with reduced ejection fraction. It was a randomized, double-blind, multicenter study with a run-in phase, and there was two wings of this study. One wing was standard of ther therapy, which was with an ACE inhibitor, specifically enalapril, and then there was also the um, the treatment study, which was going to be our Sucubitril Valsartan. And this study enrolled from 2009 to 2012, over 8,000 patients, and some of the important inclusion criteria included having New York Heart Association state class two, three, or four heart failure, having an injection fraction less than or equal to 40%, and then they also, these patients had to be on stable doses of a beta blocker and an ACER ARB. The primary outcome of the study was to look at the composite of death from cardiovascular causes or heart failure hospitalizations. And then real briefly before we dive a little more into the results, um, they found that 21.8% of patients in the Entresto group had an outcome, whereas in the um, standard of therapy, which was the Arnalapro group, it was 26.5% patients. Now this graph is just another way of relaying that information. As you can see, the Entresto group had 21.8%, and then the Enalapro group had 26.5%. The hazard ratio for this difference was 0 0.80, with a 95% confidence interval from 0.73 to 0.87, which is a statistically significant difference, leading to the conclusion that Entresto was superior to an ACE inhibitor in reducing the cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalizations outcome. And specifically from this study, the number needed to treat was 22. One thing to mention from this study as well, Sucubitril valsartan did have higher rates of hypotension compared to enalapril, 14% versus 9.2% respectively. But the Sucubitril valsartan group did have lower rates of hyperkalemia and lower percentages of serum creatinine elevation. So that study, the, the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial study, led to the FDA approval of that medication for patients with reduced ejection fraction. And then a couple years later, the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association guidelines uh, updated their 2013 previous guidelines to recommend for therapy, you can use an ACE inhibitor, an ARB, or an ARNI in combination with other evidence-based medicines such as our guideline-directed medical therapies, beta blockers, and our diuretics as needed. Specifically, they mentioned that for patients who were symptomatic, uh, still in New York Heart Association class two or three, who are already on a maximally tolerated ACE inhibitor or ARB, it was recommended to replace that with an ARNI, our Entresto. Now that we have an idea of the Paragon the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial, we'll now talk about the Paragon Heart Failure Trial. Similar to the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial, this was a randomized double-blind study 
And the two wings of this study, our control wing was the valsartan, patients taking valsartan, and our uh, treatment wing was our patients taking sacubitril valsartan. It is mentioned that um, they chose to have valsartan as opposed to a placebo in the control wing because for the patients that were involved or enrolled in this study, about 90% of them were already taking a medication on that affected the RAS system, so either an ACE inhibitor or an ARB. So it would have been uh, impractical to remove that therapy, especially if they were using it for other indications, specifically for this study. But then this study looked at over 4,000 patients, uh, and the criteria for this study looked at near card association, two, three, or four. Ejection fraction had to be greater than or equal to 45%. Patients had to have some form of structural heart disease, such as aortic stiffness stenosis or mitral valve regurgitation, for an example, as some structural heart diseases. And then also had to be on a sta stable oral diuretic therapy. Primary outcome was similar as well as a composite of deaths from cardiovascular diseases and heart failure hospitalizations. And then looking at the results from this study, in the treatment wing with Entresto, 894 events occurred in 526 patients. And in the Valsartan group, 1,009 events took place in 557 patients. Now this graph here further looks at that example. I also added in the percentage of patients in each um, wing that experienced a primary composite outcome. So in the Sucubitril Valsartan group, there was 21.9%, and then in the Valsartan group, there was 23.3%. This ended up having a relative risk of 0.87%, with a 95% confidence interval from 0.75% to 1.01, uh, which then would conclude that since it crossed one, Sucubitril Valsartan did not statistically or significantly lower the rate of our primary composite outcome, which was our heart failure hospitalizations or cardiovascular deaths. Yet in February of 2021, this year, the FDA approved this medication for all heart failure patients, particularly the new indication for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. Now in the approval, the FDA states, in an analysis of the relationship between left ventricular ejection fraction and outcomes in the Paradigm and Paragon heart failure studies, patients with left ventricular ejection fractions below normal treated with sucubitril valsartan experience greater risk reduction. It is important to know that with left ventricular ejection fraction, it is open to interpretation and clinical judgment should be applied when recommending this medication. Now, this graph here is a hazard ratio graph with the x-axis representing, representing the levels of ejection fraction in our patients based off of our two studies previously mentioned, the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial and the Paragon Heart Failure Trial. As you can see on the left-hand portion of the graph, the hazard ratio, including its confidence interval, is all below one, signifying statistical difference and benefit, whereas in the Paragon Heart Failure study, you can see that as the ejection fraction increases, particularly above 57%, you start to cross one with our confidence interval, indicating that there is no longer statistical significance. 
in the sub-analysis of the Paragon heart failure trial, which was the trial for preserved ejection fraction. Um, overall, on that top point, it does cross zero, just reinforcing that uh, for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, they did not find a statistical difference. But some of the sub-analysis was taken into consideration when the FDA did approve this medication, particularly looking at these last two points um, in the subset of patients with ejection fraction below or equal 57%, as well as the female population, they did find a um, benefit with this medication with our patients with preserved ejection fraction. Other ones um, notable to mention are EGFRs less than 60, and then patients who are taking mineral corticoid receptor antagonists such as spiralactone. This will lead us to our second question. So a reminder, you can go to pollev.com or text MayoRx to the number 22333. But which of the following is true regarding Sucubitril valsartan? Is it A, there is no evidence supporting the use of this medication in any heart failure patients? Is it B, Sucubitril valsartan decreased cardiovascular deaths or heart failure hospitalizations based off of the Paradigm heart failure trial, which was with reduced ejection fraction? C, Sucubitril valsartan decreased the primary composite outcome in patients with preserved ejection fraction, which is our Paragon heart failure trial. Or D, there is overwhelming evidence supporting the use of Sucubitril-Valsartan in heart failure with preserved ejection fraction patients. All right, it looks like a lot of the answers are being submitted. Most people are selecting B, that Sucubitril-Valsartan decreased cardiovascular deaths or heart failure hospitalizations in patients with reduced ejection fraction. And that is indeed the correct answer. Going back to that primary composite outcome from the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial, which was the first study that I looked, in, looked over today, uh, they had the hazard ratio of 0 0.80 with the confidence interval um, staying below one, indicating its statistical significance. Next, I would like to briefly discuss the um, trials and studies uh, highlighted above the transition, pioneer heart failure, prove heart failure, and evaluate heart failure. So the transition study was an open-label trial where patients were um, enrolled to see if they could achieve target doses of our Entresto, which was the 97-103 milligrams twice daily. And they found that about half of these patients could achieve that dose within 10 weeks of um, starting this medication in hospital or soon after discharge, with the average for all these patients being about one day um, after discharge. This is um, other things to mention with this um, trial was that patients were off IV diuretics for 24 hours. Roughly one-fourth of patients in this trial were newly diagnosed with heart failure or had de novo heart failure, and roughly one-fourth of these patients were ACE inhibitor or ARB naive. This is important because it was implied in the 2017 guidelines that we needed to have um, patients on a maximally tolerated ACE inhibitor or ARB, um, as well as experiencing symptoms before we could consider switching over to this ARNI or Sucubitril valsartan. The Pioneer Heart Failure Trial and the PROVE Heart Failure Trial, they looked at the reduction of NT-proBNP, and they both found that it was reduced after starting on this medication. And then particularly in the PROVE Heart Failure Trial, there was reversed cardiac remodeling at one year. 
Remodeling of the myocardium is central to the progression of heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. It incurs typically in response to either injury, hemodynamic changes, or neurohormonal activation, and consists of changes in cardiac geometry, function, or both, and is reflected by a reduced left ventricular ejection fraction. Cardiac remodeling is associated with risks of cardiovascular events, including death and hospitalizations, and represents an important target for heart failure therapy. Uh, other previously um, used medications in the guidelines, such as our ACE inhibitors and our beta blockers, have shown in uh, studies that it has, they reverse cardiac remodeling. So to have this medication also show that it reverses cardiac remodeling is um, a beneficial um, addition to see for the studies. And then lastly, looking at the Evaluate Heart Failure trial, there was no difference in reduced central aortic stiffness compared to a standard of therapy enalapril, but they did find a post hoc analysis difference with women who had left ventricular ejection fractions greater than or equal to 40%. So that led to the 2021 update by the American College of Cardiology um, to update from their 2017 recommendations for the treatment of patients with reduced ejection fraction. On the screen right now, you see the 2017 update and the initial therapy before you go into the care flow process. It included patients being on either an ACE inhibitor, ARB, or an ARNI, being on guideline-directed medical therapies, beta blockers, and then having diuretics as needed. In the recent 2021 update, they modified that first bullet point to have ARNI be the first um, or preferred level of therapy between the ACE inhibitor, ARBs, and ARNIs, and then continuing with our guideline-directed beta blockers and our diuretics as needed. Uh, this 2021 update was specific for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, and the uh, most recent update by the ACC for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction was in 2017, um, and it did not mention anything about our Entresto. Um, I will say the 2021 European Society of Cardiology guidelines update, were updated in September of this year, and they did mention Entresto for preserved, preserved ejection fraction. It was mentioned but not recommended um, due to the lack of supporting evidence for all preserved ejection fraction patients. So now that we have an understanding of the literature behind Entresto, what are some barriers uh, regarding this medication? The first thing to um, get this medication to patients. There has to be um, treatment team. Um, treatment team has to be on board with this medication. They have to be aware of it. They have to be aware of the appropriate use of this medication. And then from there, the patients have to be agree be in agreement of taking this medication. And then lastly, looking at payers and then tolerance of this medication, which I'll go into more depth in the next slide. So the cost of this medication. Um, doing a cost analysis based off of the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial with the number needed to treat, which was 22, in response to a median of 27 months and the average cost of this medication being roughly $600, just looking at the cash price, uh, the total cost to healthcare system would be roughly $350,000 to prevent one primary outcome. So that's just something to note based on um, cost on this medication based off of the data from the Paradigm Heart Failure Trial. Additionally, this might lead to insurance formularies having variable coverage for this medication. 
Of note, all Medicare Part D plans cover this medication, though there is a caveat that they might have different tiers or have a brand preferred deductible, which the patients may need to pay on top of a copay when they initially fill this medication at a pharmacy. Um, there is additional assistance through patient assistance programs by the manufacturer uh, for patients who may qualify. And then not all Medicaid programs cover this medication. For example, Wisconsin Medicaid, it is on their formulary, but Minnesota Medicaid, it is currently not as of September when I last checked. And then lastly, that tolerability for this medication. There is a higher side effect profile when it comes to symptomatic hypotension compared to enalapril when it was studied in the Paradigm heart failure trial. But overall, the tolerability of this medication is very comparable to our ACE inhibitors. This slide here is just to mention what Ask Mayo Expert has on preserved ejection fraction and reduced ejection fraction. On the left-hand side is the update that was last updated um, here in 2021, or here in 2020, saying that there is no um, proven medical treatments for heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, although not entirely true anymore with the recent approval of Entresto, just something worth noting um, on that. And then as well, looking at the right-hand side, uh, this is just one piece of the care process model that is on Ask Mayo Expert regarding heart failure with reduced ejection fraction. And it mentions for medical therapies, it typically starts with a low-dose ACE inhibitor followed by a low dose of a beta blocker. And then only further along this care flow process, it doesn't talk about when you can add an ARNI or our Sucubitril Valsartan for our patients with New York Heart Association 2, 3, or 4 which you can also, based on the new 2021 updates, you can start that de novo for patients who have not even had an ACE inhibitor or an R beforehand. So now we'll go into a patient case. You have a 73-year-old male who is currently hospitalized on day four for a heart failure exacerbation. He was diuresed with a furosemide infusion, but is now euvolemic for the past 24 hours on a stable oral regimen. Blood pressures have been elevated for the past 24 hours in the 130s to 90s range. Past, pertinent past medical and history includes ischemic heart disease, hyperlipidemia, heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, and osteoarthritis. And for the sake of um, simplicity, labs are within normal limits. Pertinent home heart failure medications include furosemide once daily, lisinopril once daily, and metoprolol sustenate once daily. And then here, inpatient home medications are now resumed. Furosemide is now increased to 40 milligrams by mouth twice daily. Currently taking lisinopril 40 milligrams daily and metoprolol sustenate daily. Of note, all those last doses for in-hospital uh, medications were given this morning at 0800. This brings us to our next question. Is this patient eligible for starting Sucubitril Valsartan? Is it A, no, it has not been 36 hours since their last ACE inhibitor dose. B, no, it cannot be initiated while hospitalized. C, yes, initiate at 49-51 milligrams twice daily. Or D, yes, initiate at 24-26 milligrams twice daily. And it looks like most people have submitted their answers. I'm seeing all A's, which is the correct answer. It has not been 36 hours since their last ACE inhibitor dose. Uh, really important to uh, um, emphasize that for transitioning patients who are already on an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, 
Uh, if they were taking an ACE inhibitor, there has to be that separation of at least 46 hours, and some will even recommend 46, 36, sorry, to 48 hours um, before that next first dose of Entresto, and this is to prevent angioedema. Now, patients who are taking an ARB uh, before therapy, they can just switch right when their next dose is due. They don't have to have that 36-hour interval. Now, if this patient wasn't on lisinopril and there was that 36-hour gap and we wanted to start sucubitril valsartan, I could argue for either C or D initiating at that 49-51 milligram dose. Um, per the um, instructions, uh, he would qualify for that initial moderate dose. But he was 73, which is getting close to the age cutoff where you might want to consider doing the low dose initiation of 24 to 26 milligrams. So I could argue either one for initiation on this therapy if he was able to start at this day. So in summary, Sucubitril Valsartan is approved for all heart failure patients, though there is, has shown to be greater risk reduction for patients with below normal left ventricular ejection fraction. It is recommended in the 2021 guidelines as first-line therapy for heart failure with reduced ejection fraction over our ACE inhibitors or our ARBs. And then lastly, this can be initiated um, as initial therapy, whether this person was on it, whether pa patients were on ACE inhibitors or an ARBs beforehand, or if this was de novo heart failure. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, subscribe using iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for listening to Mayo Clinic Pharmacy Grand Rounds. Join us weekly for more exciting clinical pharmacology topics.